Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. For the past three weeks, we've been in a teaching series that we've simply entitled The Church. Week number one, I asked the question, who is the church? Number two is, week number two was, what is a pastor? And last week, Pastor Terry uh, went over, what is a covenant member? Encouraging us, if you're a, a believer in Jesus, if you're a true disciple of Jesus, that you would be a part of a local body, that you would be plugged in at a local body so that for a couple of primary reasons. Number one, so that the pastors who are pastoring that flock will know who they are responsible for. Secondly, so that you will know who you're responsible primarily for, to care for, and to be cared for by. And this morning, I want to take the time uh, to try and take this series and put it all together by answering a simple question. As a church, what is our mission? What is our mission as a church? This is important for us to know. A mission is an an important assignment. And you know, most, most successful businesses have what they call a mission statement. And they have this in order to, to keep them going in the direction and to reach the primary goal that their business is to be about. And I've got about five or six uh, companies that have mission statements that I wanted to share with you. Uh, Coca-Cola, to refresh the world, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and make a difference. You know, every time I drink a Coke, that's what I feel like, right? (laughs) Google, to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. The American Red Cross, their mission statement is to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies by mobilizing the power of volunteers and the generosity of donors. See if you can guess who this one is. We save people money so they can live better. Anyone? Walmart. (laughs) Hey, that's what their mission statement is. And then Twitter is to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. And I would, and I would want to put on there and to feel like we are all superstars and, and uh, those people. One more. See if you can guess who this is, whose mission statement this is. Sweep Duke in the regular season only to lose to them when it really counts. That's right. Okay. If you don't know who that is, I'm not going to say it from the pulpit. Now that I have your attention, as a church, what is our mission? What is our assignment? What are we supposed to be doing, accomplishing? Who? And the question I want us to answer this morning is who determines that? Well, because Jesus is the head of the church, because he purchased us, 
with his blood, his sweat, his tears. Because of this, because he has given his life for his flock, he alone is the one who should define what our mission is to be. And so, you know, after Jesus was crushed on the cross, he was buried and he crushed death. We sang about that this morning. That, that truth, that reality that he was raised from the dead needs to be living in our hearts. But when he was raised from the dead, he gathered his disciples around him before ascending into heaven. And it says in, that they gathered around him and worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. And before he went into heaven, he gave them the mission that the church is to be about, is to accomplish while he is gone. And we've said this many times in our church. It's, it's found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to read it for us. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Think about that. All authority has been given to me. Have you ever been pulled over by a policeman? What would it have been like if that person with authority was your best friend? You'd be like, I'm good, right? Or you might be in jail if it's your dad. But he has all authority. We could spend the rest of the day and just meditate on that. that this is who we were singing about this morning. He, ha, he says, I have all authority. Go, therefore. That go there means, it, it really means as you go, as you live, therefore, make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, say it with me, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, we talked about this about two weeks ago, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and then here's another gold nugget, and behold, I am with you always, always, to the end of the age. He begins the Great Commission with encouragement. He says, look, I got all authority. I've got all power. I conquered death. There's nothing I cannot do. And he ends with encouragement. Because I've got all authority, I'm with you. That should be encouraging to us. We need to notice that Jesus has called his church to be on mission with him. Not by ourselves. We're not supposed to be doing this in our own strength, but with him until he returns or calls us home. Something that I found interesting as I was studying this passage this week, or this subject this week, was in the book of Acts. This book was written by a, a disciple named Luke. Uh, Luke wrote the book, the uh, Gospel of Luke. And he begins his second book, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, and he starts the book like this. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, this is who Luke wrote the book to, Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. You see that there? He began a work 2,000 years ago. 
and it's known as the church. He birthed the church 2,000 years ago. And you know, the, the interesting thing about this is that he doesn't need us to keep his church going. He created the world and the universe and everything in it in six days. That is ama- that's amazing, isn't it? He, and he didn't even need six days to do that. But he did. And the amazing thing is that he has come to us and he wants to partner with us and let us invite us into his work and to do something in us and through us and allow us to be alongside of him to make disciples. That's what the mission of the church is, is to make disciples. That's what our church mission statement is. Let's, let's look at that. We haven't said that in a few weeks. Here is our mission statement. Changing life by, and I, you know what? There's something that is assumed here in this, in this mission statement. Be, okay? Changing life by being. We're assuming that you are a disciple already. If you're going to be on the mission, you first have to be a disciple. So that's kind of assumed there. But changing life by making, growing, and unleashing what? Gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. That's the mission of the church. Grow, make, and unleash disciples who are going to make, grow, and unleash disciples. And so what does that look like? How do we go from it just being a mission statement that we kind of say every week? And if you're visiting, I'm sure, and you've heard us say, it's like, man, is this place a cult? You know, no, we're not a cult, but we do want to, great companies go over their mission statement on a regular basis. Are we staying with the mission? But how do we go from a mission statement to obeying what Jesus has commanded. Well, we're going to be, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on this book. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the one who wrote it. It's a letter to the church that was in Corinth. Paul had gone to Corinth and spent about a year and a half there making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples. And sometime after he left, he went on to plant some more churches. And sometime after he left, he got word back to him that the church in Corinth was not, was not doing very well. It, it was not doing too hot. It was not practicing what they preached. It was a divided church. There were people in that church who were saying, you know, I've got, they were gathering around their favorite teacher. I follow Matt Chandler. No, I follow John Piper. No, I follow Terry Hollifield. Gathering around, that, that shows immaturity. But they were divided in that way. Some had taken the gospel, the wonderful gospel, and had misapplied it. They said, you know, they spoke some truths about it. You know, we have been forgiven of our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. And that means we can do whatever we want now with our bodies. We're free to do what we want, and they were engaging in sexual immorality of of various kinds. And Paul said, no, you don't know, don't you know that your body is the temple of God? Do you not know that? We've been united by the Holy Spirit 
to Jesus. So what you do with your body, listen church, what we do with our bodies matters because we are united to Christ and we are to whatever we do, what, 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 mm. whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, what? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving glory to God the Father. Glorif- listen church, glorify God with your bodies. And you know what? Their worship services were bad. So bad that in chapter 11, Paul says, your meetings, get this, do more harm than good. In other words, it would be better that you just stayed at home than to gather in the name of Jesus because you're doing more harm. Some of you guys are coming here and in communion, you're getting drunk. Now, you're not going to get drunk in our communion because that's a bunch of uh, grape juice over there, so don't try it. But the point is, is it was a messed up church. But Paul was not giving up on this church. Even though it was divided, he knew it could be united if they would realize something. If they would realize that they have been given the Holy Spirit to unite them in love and to work together on mission. Church, we need to understand that. That if we are, if you are a true disciple of Jesus, you have been given the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I'm, I'm praying that God would stir in our body through his spirit to bring us closer together as we work on mission. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to pick up in verse 4 and move forward from there. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, I want us to notice a couple of things in verses 4 through 6. Notice the word varieties. How many times is that in there? Three times. Varieties. And then notice the word same. How many times is that, that in there? Three times. Same spirit, same spirit, same God. In other words, there's diversity, variety, and yet there's unity in one thing. What is that? God, the spirit of God. That's what um, we should see in here. And we need to understand that the church... Is like a box of chocolates, right? You never know what you're going to get, right? You got dark chocolate, right? You got milk chocolate. You got white chocolate. And then sometimes you get fruitcake, <laughs> right? How do you know you got a fruitcake? Because when you bite into it, it goes, man, that's weird. Right? Every church has one. If you don't know who they are, it's probably you. It could be the pastor. But they have their place in the body. Variety. Diversity. Which can cause division. And yet the Spirit of God is to be there to unify us. We are uniquely different. We all have diverse tastes and preferences and interests. And in verse 7 it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. 
for the common good. We're going to go all the way down to verse 30. And 11 times, Paul uses of one spirit or of one God, of the same. He's trying to get this church to understand where unity comes from. In other words, we've all been given, if you're a true disciple of Jesus, we've all been given spirit-empowered gifts. Not to create jealousy, not to create divisions, but they are, have been given to each of us individually that we would bring them to the body to produce unity and benefit the entire body. So if you are a true disciple of Jesus, then you need to understand that the Holy Spirit has gifted you uniquely and he has wired you in a way that you are indispensable. You're indispensable to the body of Christ. I hope you realize that. Some of us live like we are, the church doesn't need us. But we are, you are indispensable, and he has placed you in our body. If you are a covenant member of Reach Life Church, he has placed you in our body, given gifts to help us, to help us to fulfill our mission of making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples. Verse 8 says, for to one is given. He's going to talk about spiritual gifts here. For to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually, get this, as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Jesus. Paul is, is moving to a literal example of the human body, how we're made up of many different members. He says that's what the, the body of Christ is like. Verse 13 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Do you see what Paul is getting at? Although we are a diverse group of people, we have been united together by one spirit. This shows us that God desires his church to be unified in Christ, and he has given his spirit to accomplish this. Verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, this is verses 15 to the end are very interesting. Look at what he says. He says, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. If your hand said, I'm not a foot, therefore I'm not a part of the body, that would not make it less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? God has designed the body wisely, hasn't he? Can you imagine 
If you're, I may have said this before to the church, but some of y'all are new, so. Coach Joy, can you imagine if God put your mouth back here? You'd be eating like this. It, it just wouldn't look good. But I'm not God, and y'all know that. Verse 18 says, but, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that one. But as it is, God, praise God, arranged the members in the body, each one of them, what? Say that with me. As he chose, right? God is wise. He knows where the, the members of the body should be. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We are to be interdependent. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that it lacked, that lacked it, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body. That there may be no division in the body, but that the member, members may have the same care for one another. You see that? So that the members would be caring for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. You know, if, if I'm nailing a nail and I hit my thumb, the rest of my body gathers around that one part. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> it doesn't go, come on, get over it, right? And it affects the rest of my day, depending on how hard it got hit, right? Verse 26 says, if one member suffer, suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all prophets? No. Are all prophets? Apostles, no. Are all teachers, no. Do all work miracles, no. Do all possess gifts of healing, no. Do all speak with tongues, no. Do all interpret, no. We're all different. The body of Christ is made up of many uniquely designed and gifted parts that are to be unified and, and empowered by the Spirit of Christ to deeply love, so that we would deeply love and care for one another, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Now, in Ephesians 2.20, Paul says that the church is like a building. He says, he says it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In other words, we are... Listen, church, we are a holy temple that is being constructed and built together by the Spirit of God. And this morning, I <clears throat> decided that I was going to bring my tool belt here to, to make a little uh, 
analogy. Um, parts of the body are falling down. <laughs> Come back here. Um, this is my tool belt. Oh man, it's gonna go right on that mic here. I've had this tool belt probably for 15 years. Um, it's not my first tool belt, but it's my favorite. Um, if you'll notice, this, this bag is not the same as this bag because I had to replace this one. This is a new member of the body here. <laughs> and you know, this is kind of like our, our church. There's many different parts on here. Got a tape measure. What is this? This is the person that, you know, keeps us aligned, right? Make sure we're following the plan, not getting out of, out of uh, sync of what the plan is. Chalk box keeps us straight, right? Chisel chisels us. My man. <laughs> Who knows what this is not? Who doesn't know what this is? Raise your hand if you don't know what this is. This is a cat's paw. This is for correction. Because, you know, we have what we call nails, right? Most of us are nails, to be honest with you. Holding things together, right? Have you ever tried to build a house without nails, Dan? You can't do it, can you? You can't glue it. You need nails. You need eight penny. You need 16 penny nails, right? Right, Steve? Sure, all right. <laughs> Cat's paws are used to pull out nails when they're in the wrong place. But they, you know what? They can't do it by themselves. They need MC Hammer. <laughs> right? You can't, touch this. You, can't you can't touch this, right? I've had this guy for about 20 years. Love it. This one, too. It's hard to find these two guys, but they've been together. They're interdependent upon one another. They need each other. But the, he don't need to be out all the time, right? But when a nail gets bent over, sometimes you pull it over and then smack it back in, right? Speed square. Speed. This is the most gifted tool in my pouch. It doesn't look like it. It looks like a triangle, doesn't it? And it's, it's the most gifted one in the, in the bag, right? This thing can do, has, can do more than I even know about, but it can draw, you can draw a straight line with it. This is a 45 right here. If you're doing rafters, you want to put... See, all, all my uh, carpenter buddies are like this. <laughs> the rest of y'all are like... You can do hip valleys, rafters. It's got a little uh, tape measure on the top here to lay out walls. But as gifted as this thing is, it can't operate by itself. It needs the simplest tool to be with it, the pencil. Now, if the pencil looks at the, at the speed square and says, I'm not important, that's not true, is it? He's very, you're very important, Mr. Pencil. We need you. You're valuable. Because, you know, there's been times that I've been on jobs, I didn't have a pencil. And I dig in, 
and pull out a 16-penny nail. Has any, any other guys, Luke, you ever done that? Steve? It's just, it just doesn't work the same. It's, I wouldn't want to build a whole house with a nail when I should have pencils in my pouch. But you'll also notice that, that I have aligned these. <laughs> they are in the a right place where they need to be so that when I need it, I grab it, right? You know, if I need my tape measure, I know exactly where it's at. Why do I get to decide? See, everybody's tool belt is not the same. We're uh, uh, set up the same. But this is how I set mine up. The pouches, you know, they represent you people that are like administrative, that like to keep things together, right? It is annoying <laughs> to not have your tool belt, and you have your tools all over the place. At the end of a project, that's usually how it is, and I can't find anything. But I arrange this the way I want it. You know why? Because I purchased these tools with my blood, sweat, and tears. And I did it. Each tool, I did it on purpose. I knew what I wanted. I knew what my mission is to build, and I put them all together. Now, which, is, which one, which, which is more important, me or the tools? Whenever I build a house, I've never had someone come up and go, man, your tape measure was awesome. <laughs> they are here to serve me, but I take care of them. When I lose one, man, if I get on a job and he's not there, it is bad news. I went to the lumber yard the other week, and he was not there. I'd left him on the job, and I had to take this, like, paint, uh, what you call it, paint stir, and draw a line with it. The line was not straight, but it was straight enough to cut the, the LVL. But listen, these tools are important, but what can they do apart from me? nothing. They can look good, but they can do nothing. And you know, that is a lot of what our church is to be like, right? God wants to organize our church in a way that we can fulfill the mission of making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples. So how does this work in reality? How, how do we stay unified in the Spirit and stay on mission. How do we go from, oh, that was a cool little analogy over there, to it being real, to us really being a, a tool belt that Jesus can, can use? You know, what is, the, what is their duty? Stay near the carpenter. And then when he, just wait for him, he'll grab you when, you, when it's time. And just be, let him do what he wants to with you when, when he's got you in his hands. But be available be there. And the question I want to ask is, how do we actually take steps, real steps, that make Reach Life Church a usable tool belt, as it were? Well, last week Terry talked about a healthy disciple is grows in three ways, right? Up, in, and what? Out. And I want to go through all three of these real quick. The up is the part of being a disciple. Up. That means time and fellowship with God. You having you alone with God. Nobody else is there. You're having personal time with God. You're learning to hear him speak to you. 
Did you know that as a believer, you have to learn to discern the voice of God? If you've been walking with God long enough, man, how many times, man, this is God, and you did, um, that was not God, right? We have to learn to discern the voice of God. This is the up part, you and God alone. And listen, this is, this is something that you will not get praised for. You know why? Because nobody's supposed to really know about it. Jesus says when, when you go to the Father in prayer, go into your closet, close the door. This isn't about what everyone can see you doing. But this is the most this is the first step of having a unified body is that we all are individually alone with God in his word and learning to pray. This is the hardest part really. But if this part is done, this is where the power the power will come from. I will know, you will know that our church is this is doing this when we gather together. Something will be different about our body when we are all engaged with Jesus in private. It won't be something that, that will even necessarily be tangible, but there will be an excitement. There will, the things that we sang about this morning, they are mind-blowing statements. And yet, and I'm guilty of this too, there's times when I say Jesus rose from the dead and it does nothing in my heart. And you know what that's directly correlated to? How much time have I spent with God alone? And I'm not trying to, you know, um, guilt anyone into having a quiet time in that, but that, that we would be drawn, that right now the Holy Spirit in you would be like, yeah, yeah, that's what I, I want for you, to be alive, that the things of Christ would be alive in you. And it's got to be in that uptime, that alone time with God. Because your uptime directly affects our end time. And that's the second one. Up in. We're fellowshipping with God in private. And then we're gathering together regularly. And as we're empowered by the Spirit, we take the gifts that he has given to us and our talents. And we benefit the body. We're, we bear one another's burdens. We point one another back to Jesus. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. We become a, a people of prayer. We're not just going to talk about it. Let's, let's pray right now. When you've prayed in private, it's easy to pray in public. I know when I haven't been praying in private, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm praying that God is good prayer, Right? But when I've been in alone with God, there's something, he just comes out of me. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about. We're being brothers, our brothers, and our sisters keepers. When one of our brothers or sisters is going in the right direction, we're applauding. Yeah, good job. We see God at work in you. When we go astray, we're gently and in love, calling one another back. We are stimulating, stirring up one another's affections for Christ and stirring one another up for good works. We are, listen, church, we are, if you are the church, we are a gift from God to one another. Why? Because we said so? No, because he said so. 
We are a gift to one another. Let's not miss that. Let's not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. And so we want to be in fellowship with God in private. That's up. We want to be in fellowship with one another. That's the in. And then there's the out. We disperse. We leave this place. And we go out as we engage with our world. And it's interesting to me that Jesus, in John 17, he prays the priestly prayer, the high priestly prayer. And he's praying for his disciples. And this is what he he prays. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Man, don't you wish he did? Don't you wish that, that, that you were out of the world? I do. That means that we would be with Christ. Man, if, if I didn't have all these issues and, and even, you know, dealing with, with, a, with persecution or the fear of being rejected. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We're to be in the world. We're, we're to be among the world making disciples, but we're not to be of the world. Our heart belongs to Jesus. And we're at war. Light versus darkness. And so the up and the in, the up and the in are extremely crucial that we need to be engaging in these two so that we can be guarded, we can guard ourselves with one another, And we can be empowered and encouraged by one another as we go out and engage in love with those who are outside of the church. And I want to make it clear that we are not calling, we're not to be calling people to an institution. We're not trying to build a Reach Life Church brand name that we can market. We're learning to love, we're learning to love Did you hear that word learning? We're learning, all of us. We have to learn this, how to love and enjoy God. Are you, let me ask you this, are you enjoying God? Does your heart enjoy God? We're learning to love and enjoy God. We're learning to enjoy and sacrificially love one another. And we are learning to love and invite those who are outside the body of Christ to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Paul says it beautifully in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And God is making his appeal through us. God is in us making an appeal through us. We plead with the lost on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Up, in, and out. If we ignore any of these three, we will be like a stool, a three-legged stool. You take one of the legs away, and it falls over. And we will not fulfill our mission as a local church to make, grow, and unleash gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. And this week, what I want to do is I want to spend some some time in our MCs talking about how does that how does that look? 
I want to go a little bit deeper in application this week in MC. So I want to encourage you to be a part of an MC this week. And so that we can, as a church, what does it look like up, in, and out? You know, usually what I have found is that one of these three is usually easier for us. Some of us, are our time with God in prayer, being alone with God, we love that, right? Being alone. Some of us are like in, we love be, being inside the body, just caring for it. And that may be the way God's made you. And some of us are like out. We're always, we need to get out, we need to get out. Well, we need all three of those strengths encouraging all of us in those areas. That's the body, right? So I want to spend more time with that uh, in MCs. And next week, I'm going to be, by God's grace, we're going to be back in the book of John. And guess what we're going to be in? John chapter 13, where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. So we're going to talk more about this next week. But this is something, Reach Life Church, that we're going to have to keep in front of one another and encouraging one another and stirring one another up. That you would understand that if you're a pencil, you're important and you're necessary. And if you're a speed square, uh, you're important too. And we need, we need them all, all of us working together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.